dear brothers and sisters. When you're working on a big project for a job, or if you've been pursuing a long-term goal, it's good to eventually take a step back to look at the big picture. You've got to take a step back to look back to the beginning where you began and appreciate the progress. But you've also got to look forward to see how you are progressing and fulfilling the vision, the plan you first had. Now you do this because sometimes you can get bogged down and you feel like you've been going nowhere. And this allows you to see the progress and be thankful for it. But it also, it's, it's also helpful because like someone rowing a boat with their head down, they're able to lift their head up and look behind them to see whether they've been aiming properly, whether they've drifted off course, whether to see if in their busy work they've gone off course. And so this allows us to redirect ourselves and find our purpose back. Well, this is what the Spirit of God is having us do this morning through this passage in Colossians. The goal, the vision, the grand story of the entire world is that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, God produces fruit among you and throughout the world. The Spirit reminds us that this is what he is doing in Maranatha and the world right now. This is the big project, the long-term goal and plan. And so this morning in this passage, we are lifting our heads up to see the progress that has been made, to see the work that God has done among us and throughout the world, see that it hasn't been meaningless or going nowhere. And this leads us, gives us a reason to have ongoing thanksgiving. That's point one. But secondly, we also lift up our heads and our eyes to see where we need to go. And this gives us a reason for unceasing thanksgiving or ongoing thanks or unceasing asking. We ask God to produce more fruit among us and throughout the world. And so the theme is this morning is that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, God produces fruit among you and throughout the world. And this is a reason for ongoing thanksgiving, firstly, and secondly, it's a reason for unceasing asking. Now, by way of introduction to this letter, let us first look at verses 1 and 2. In verse 1, we read, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. In Acts 9, we read of Paul's conversion. Paul is converted through the gospel and brought into Christ's kingdom. Paul would be made an apostle, as the text says, by the will of God. Now, to be an apostle means to be sent out, to be commissioned, to be given a task to preach the gospel. And this is what the Lord does to Paul. Paul was sent out, and he proclaimed the gospel in Ephesus, which is very near to Colossae. But he actually never went to the Colossians, as we read in uh, chapter 4. But now if we jump ahead to verses 7 and 8, we read that just as you learned the gospel from Epaphras, our beloved servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so what seems most likely is that Epaphras was converted by Paul when Paul was ministering in Ephesus. 
And Epaphras there in Ephesus became acquainted with Paul and he established a close bond with him and became a beloved fellow servant. And Epaphras would be the one who would spread the gospel in the regions of Colossae, but also Laodicea and Hierapolis, as we read also in chapter 4. And so by Epaphras' preaching, God produces fruit. This fruit is that people are converted, households are baptized, and a community of believers is gathered in the city of Colossians. But why is Paul then writing to this church? Specifically, why is he telling this church about how God produces fruit in them and in them through the gospel? Well, as we'll see later in this book of Colossians, the local church was being tempted to seek growth and Christian maturity in things besides Jesus Christ, besides the gospel. And so the passage we are looking at is important because Paul is telling them that they have that what they have has come only through the gospel and that what they all will ever need will also come from the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Spirit is encouraging them to, in, to grow in Jesus Christ, to remain steadfast to the gospel, to not be led astray, to follow after other methods or other teachings. Now let's turn to this first section and our first point, section of verses 3 to 8. It's in this section that we see that we have reason for ongoing thanksgiving because through the gospel, God has produced fruit among us and the world. Now the main verse in this section is verse 3. There we read, We always give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Even though Paul never visited the Colossian church, he still had a ministry of prayer for them. It's quite astounding when you think about it. Paul and Timothy have a ministry of prayer for this church they have never met. What's the reason for this? Well, the reason is that they are convicted about the gospel. They know that the Father is working through the world, in the world, through Christ's Spirit to spread the gospel and to produce fruit by converting sinners and building up the church. And because they are convicted of this, they pray for the Colossians. They thank God. And this is a great example for us as well. That praying for churches and people we have never met is worthwhile because of who God is and because of what God is doing. And so let us believe that God is the one producing fruit through the gospel and therefore pray to him, asking him with confidence for specific churches, people, and missionaries, even if we have never met them before. But what are Paul and Timothy thanking God for? Well, if you look at verse 4, we read, verse 4 and 5, we read that they are thanking God since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Here we see Paul using that famous triad of faith, hope, and love, the three fruits of the gospel. The Lord speaks the promise of the gospel to sinners who by his grace alone 
receive this and respond in faith. Faith is the acceptance of the promises as factually true, and it's a trust in the one who made those promises. And then, therefore, faith is the foundation of hope and love. Now, hope, on the other hand, holds on to those promises of God with patience and joy. And so we can see that faith and hope sound quite similar. One theologian talks about this. He says that the difference between the two, faith and hope, is not always easy to discern. Simply put, though, faith believes, but hope waits patiently. And so that is what hope is. Love, then, is the thankful works we do in response to God's promise. Love is an action of service to fellow believers. This love is also a fruit of God's grace, and it's the crown jewel of them all. For we see that in verse 8, Paul repeats that the good report they heard about was their love specifically in the Spirit. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the greatest of these is love. But in this passage, when teaching about faith, hope, and love together, Paul is emphasizing something unique. He says that their faith and, hope and love are because of the hope laid up for them in heaven. This means that hope is the reason for their faith and love. Their hope is strengthening their faith and their love. It's intensifying it. We could put it this way. Our hope is that we have an eternal, unchanging, beautiful, heavenly life awaiting us just a few short days or years ahead. A life free from sin and tears. A life with our Savior. And this amazing hope strengthens our faith. Your faith is strong and steadfast and sturdy through trials because faith's anchor is in Christ, our heavenly hope. And love is also strengthened by hope because even if we might struggle to get along with certain personalities in the church or in our neighborhood, our love is able to be humble and unified towards them. The reason that our love can be strengthened towards fellow believers is that we can look forward to the hope when the two of us will be in heaven together, side by side, in perfect harmony. Because the two of you will be together, because the two of you have the same hope in Jesus Christ, because your eternal life is tied up with one another and our Lord, you are able to love them as humble servants. And so Paul and Timothy thank God because they have heard of the hope of the Colossian believers. They have heard that this hope has produced a stronger faith and a stronger love for one another. But what exactly has caused all these fruits of faith, hope, and love? What do you think has caused faith, hope, and love here in this congregation in Surrey? Well, we read in verse 5 and 6 that the cause of these fruits is the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you first heard it. 
The gospel is the cause of all fruit. And we see here that Paul is personifying the gospel. He speaks about the gospel as if it's going from to the city of Colossians and as if it's going throughout the world. And this personified gospel is just God working through the apostles and ordinary members to spread the gospel. It is Christ's spirit of truth working in the hearts of people, planting the seed of the word and giving the growth. And you see that this is the great story of the gospel. This is the great story of our church here, Maranatha. The word of truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ has produced this church. Without the gospel of our Lord, this community of people wouldn't even exist. Now when the Spirit of God tells us that the gospel is bearing fruit and increasing, he is reminding us of what the Spirit says in Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living creature that moves on the earth. The first humans, Adam and Eve, were supposed to spread throughout the earth, bearing fruit and increasing. But they failed. And instead, the kingdom of darkness took over, spreading sin and misery. But Jesus Christ is the new Adam. And, when the, and what the first Adam could not do, Jesus accomplishes. Our Lord, through his Spirit, spreads the gospel throughout the world and he makes it fruitful and multiply. He transfers us, as verse 13 says, from Adam's kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Christ. Paul and Timothy are giving thanks to God in their prayers for this. They're giving thanks for Christ as the new Adam, the one who is growing his kingdom through the gospel. Of, through the gospel. And so we see that our heavenly Lord is the one who has been spreading this word and producing the fruit of faith, hope, and love. All over, we see this fruit multiplying. But look at what Paul is doing. Paul is connecting what God has done through the gospel in the small town of Colossae to what he has done throughout the globe. Paul is showing the Colossians, and us also here this morning, that we are a tree that is part of a forest. We are a little picture that's part of a big picture. The small church in Colossae is part of a universal work of God. Paul is thanking the Lord for how what he has already done in the Colossians is part of what he has done throughout the world. The Spirit Spirit is saying to us that just as Christ is producing the fruit throughout the world, so he has been producing fruit here among Maranatha. It is all part of one single plan of God. The church in Colossae, this church in Surrey, plays an important part in what God has been doing throughout history. Just look at what the Lord has done here. 
Do not despise what seems small, laborious. Do not despise the nitty-gritty of an ordinary life of service to God. The fact that you are all here gathered together is a testimony to the work of our Lord. This gathering is the fruit of the gospel. It's part of our Lord's restoration of what was once rebellious and broken. And so let us give thanks for what he has done in us and between us. Now perhaps you find yourself here this morning seeking to learn more about God and the good news of Jesus Christ. Then it's good for you to know that you are not here by chance. It's not by chance that the Lord is now sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, God, your creator, is wanting to save people like you. This is why he has spread the gospel throughout the world, so that all may hear it. He commands you to believe in Jesus Christ, to return to him, to leave the world of darkness behind and join his global kingdom of our Lord. And so receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have faith in him. Love his people. And put your hope in what Jesus is doing for you and the world. Now this takes us to our second section of the text. Verses 9 to 14. So far, we have been taking a step back to give ongoing thanks for how God has already produced fruit in us and the world. But now we are going to take a step back to see how this gives us as a church a reason for unceasing asking. In verse 9, Paul says, And so from the day we, have, we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking. Paul and Timothy asked God to continue producing fruit among the believers. But how is this increase in fruitfulness among the church, among us, going to happen? Well, we can look at verse 9. Paul and Timothy asked God to fill the believers in Colossae with knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. But what does Paul mean by his will? Well, in essence, they're asking God to teach the Colossians more and more about the gospel of Jesus Christ, about our Savior, and about God's plan through him. The reality of how the world is in rebellion against, the, against Jesus, but how, and how it's under condemnation for sin, but that Jesus came to save this world, to reconquer his creation, to save sinners by bringing them into the family of God so that they too may bear fruit and find true fulfillment in Jesus Christ. But we can ask the question, how does God fill us up with the knowledge of his will? How can we seek to be filled up by God? Well, the holy God has most fully revealed his will, his worldwide plan, through and in Jesus our Savior is central to the will of God. And so true spiritual wisdom and understanding has Christ at the center. He should be at the forefront of, our, of everything. 
God fills us up by deepening our understanding of Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he teaches us in his word. We are filled up when we understand, when our understanding of the gospel grows. Paul explains this fullness further in Ephesians 3, verses 18 to 19. There Paul says, How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We see here that Paul is beginning to lay the foundation to push against some of the false teaching that has been a snare to the Colossians. You see, the false teaching, as we'll learn later on in this series, is that Christ is not enough. But we are not to deviate from the gospel first delivered to us, seeking to be filled up in other ways, through other means. We are only supposed to be filled up through the gospel and Jesus Christ. We must be devoted as a church to deepening our knowledge of Jesus by meditation and study of the word of God. Now in verse 10, Paul says that he asked God to fill them up in the, with gospel knowledge so that they may, quote, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Now Paul's desire is that they walk in a way that gives glory to God. And Paul then goes on to list four different ways that we can please him. The first way is by bearing fruit in every good work. You see, true faith is never alone, but it bears fruit in good works. God's word and spirit strengthen us like sunlight and water. God, the vine dresser, prunes us, his plants, so that united to Christ, we may bear the fruit of loving him more and more. Paul then prays, the second one, that we may please the Lord by increasing in the knowledge of God. When, you see, when humanity rebelled against the Lord, we lost most of our knowledge of him. Humanity became ignorant of God and also hateful of him. We, re, we exchanged the truth of God for a lie, replacing him with all sorts of man-made religions, philosophies, and idol worship. But you see, as God spreads the gospel, he spreads the knowledge of who he is and what he is doing in Jesus Christ. And so Christians must be growing in their personal, personal knowledge of who God is and his plan for salvation. Now the third characteristic of a saint, a holy one, one who is set apart from the world, is that they are being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. For you and for me and for our church here in Surrey to bear more fruit is going to require supernatural power. God does not expect us to grow on our own, and neither does Paul. You see, if Paul did think that, that we could do this on our own, then he would be legalistic. He would be giving us a burden that would crush the spirit of the church. But rather, Paul prays boldly for all these things, for all this growth, because he knows that just as God's glorious might in Christ 
was able to resurrect the dead, was able to heal lepers during his ministry on earth, so too Jesus can grow and heal us so that we can endure to the end and have patience as we labor as loving servants until his return. And finally, Paul prays or asks saying, and giving thanks to the Father. As God fills up our understanding of his plan for redemption, we give more and more thanks to God. The reason is that Jesus is the one, verses 12 to 14 continues, Jesus is the one who qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Through him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And it's because of Jesus, as we grow in our knowledge of him, that we increase in our thankfulness to him. Paul and Timothy ask God to grow the Colossians in these four ways because their prayer is completely God-centered. We can see this first in that they ask God, God to give this growth. And we don't want to lose sight of this. This is a very important point. God is the one you must seek for growth. And second, we see that it's God-centered because their biggest concern, the thing they most earnestly desire for the believers, for us, is not health and wealth, but it's their spiritual maturity, their knowledge of the Lord. And finally, the reason Paul and Timothy pray for the spiritual growth is so that God's ultimate purpose is fulfilled. The purpose of increasing Christ's kingdom through the gospel. The final aim of Paul and Timothy's prayer is that God would be praised and glorified, that his will would be accomplished. And so let us pray in this God-centered way. Let us give thankful prayers to him. Give thanks for the wonderful work that God has done here in Maranatha. Believers, you are priests of God, anointed with his spirit so that you may give thanks to the Lord for his grace. Even you little children here this morning, you are priests in God's kingdom. You can too can give thanks to God for the work of the gospel that he has done in your church family here. And church leaders this morning, especially important as we have an election, a vote for an election this morning. As church leaders, we are especially to give thanks for the fruits of the gospel we see in this local body, the fruits of faith, hope, and love. Remember that this is God's work through the gospel. This congregation isn't your work. Sir, this church in Surrey is a new community set apart from the world by God's grace alone. And so let us not only give thanks in our prayers for what God has done among us, our church here, but also throughout the world. 
the gospel has been so fruitful and we have been so blessed to be able to witness this that we can have this fruit on display to encourage us. You see, the gospel has not been confined to one place. The gospel has not stopped with one people or nation or one language. It's so merciful of our Lord to let us see this fruit. And so let us give thanks to God. And let us also remember to pray in a God-centered way by asking and seeking our Lord that he would continue to produce fruit here in Maranatha. Remember to pray for one another, asking that Jesus Christ would use his word and spirit so that we may grow deeper in the gospel, that we may grow deeper in our love and understanding for our Savior. Specifically, in the days before a sermon, or let's say a Bible study, or Lord's Supper, let your personal and family prayers be full of asking that God would use these means of grace to strengthen and to work more fruit in one another. Ask that God would use the good news our church shares to deliver sinners from the domain of darkness and to bring them into our midst. Brothers and sisters, the spirit in this passage helps us to take a step back and to see God's glorious work. Through the years, he has increased Christ's kingdom greatly by the preaching of the gospel. He has done this globally and also in our own hearts. And this leads us to give much glory, honor, praise, and thanks to our heavenly and loving Father. And seeing this plan of redemption, the plan to produce gospel fruit, also leads us to ask our God to continue this work in our hearts and in this church and over the whole globe until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.